House District 42 covers primarily a wide swath of Southeast Portland. The current rep is Rob Nose, but Paige Kreisman is challenging Nose for the seat. Today we have an opportunity to get to learn about Paige's campaign and her vision for the district. Welcome to X-Ray, Paige. Thanks so much for having me. It's a great morning out here in Portland. Absolutely. So tell us, who are you and why are you running? My name is Paige Kreisman. Um, my background and experience is as a legislative advocate and organizer with some grassroots uh, organizations here in Portland. So I'm the electoral and legislative chair for the Portland Democratic Socialists of America and a board member for Portland Tenants United. I'm also a disabled veteran. I was the first woman to serve as a indirect fire infantrywoman in the U.S. Army, which is a combat job that was previously open only to men. And I'm running for this seat because in my work down in Salem, uh, advocating for progressive policies last legislative session, I was um, continually disappointed with the compromises and half measures that our Democrat supermajority came up with to address some of the incredibly pressing needs that working class Oregonians have, from the housing crisis to school funding to the environment. And then ultimately that culminated with what was the biggest betrayal of the 2019 session for me, which was when our Democrat supermajority cut the pensions of our public employees. I don't think it's acceptable for a blue state with the Democrat supermajority in both chambers of the legislature and a Democrat governor to be cutting the pensions of teachers and nurses and firefighters, some of the most valuable civil servants in our community, many of whom are now on the front lines of the COVID-19 crisis. So I think it's incredibly important that we elect progressive working class, working class representatives that are only accountable to the people of their districts. That's why we're 100% people powered. I don't accept any corporate money, which is unique here in Oregon. There's no sitting state legislator that doesn't take corporate money. Mm. And we have the most corporate spending in our elections per capita of any state in the country. And I don't believe any of these big issues we face can get solved until we get big money out of politics. Mm. What does it mean beyond just not taking corporate uh, money to be 100% people powered? It means that our campaign is grounded in the community. And I believe that that's the way democracy should work here in this country. Mm -hmm. um, too often we see lobbyists and corporations dictating policy, and that comes and that starts with how our elected representatives win their campaigns. Um, so for stark contrast, our opponent is funded by the fossil fuel industry. He's the mm -hmm. top recipient of private healthcare industry money in the House. And he received less than 10% of his donations from small individual donors last cycle. Mm -hmm. And we see that play out in policy with his actions down in Salem when he trends to be more conservative than his electorate. Um, so we're, we're winning this campaign by knocking on doors, not by spending money on ad dumps and mailers, but going out and talking to people. So before we suspended our canvassing operations due to COVID-19, we knocked on 25,000 doors with our amazing people-powered coalition we built, mm -hmm. mostly from organizations that have endorsed us, like Sunrise Movement PDX, um, like Portland Democratic Socialists of America, Our Revolution Portland, and a whole slate of unions, the Oregon Education Association, Oregon AFSCME, um, American Federation of Teachers, Oregon, and much, much more. Mm. How has your campaign evolved under the stay-at-home order? It sounds like you had a really robust grassroots uh, canvassing strategy. How do you change that under a stay-at-home order? Well, it's definitely been difficult, um, but ultimately the health and safety of the community is our top priority. So we suspended all of our 
in-person voter outreach, um, and we're moving more towards uh, digital outreach. So I've been doing um, digital canvassing, which is where I send a text message out to um, five voters at a time, and I tell them, hey, I'm Paige Christman running for the Oregon House. I would be at your door right now, but of course, due to COVID-19, I'm not. I would still love to have a conversation with you. Click this link to join a video chat with me, and we can talk about some of the really important issues in our community. Um, and that's been a really great way to still have that face-to-face, in-person connection, because I think that's really important for representatives to be grounded in the needs of their constituents. Yeah. So what's at stake in the next session of the Oregon legislature? There's a lot. So this is a really important year for state legislator elections. Um, One, because this is going to be the group of legislators that um, come together with a package to address the COVID-19 crisis next session or in a special session if Kate Brown decides to call one. And I think it's more important now than ever that we elect representatives who will fight for the working class people's needs, the frontline workers' needs. Um, we saw our Democrat supermajority cut the pensions of nurses and public health care professionals in a good economy. Um, so what are we going to see our state government do to deal with this economic crisis? Who's our state government going to center? Um, I believe that our state government should first address the needs of working class people, frontline workers, um, before we start addressing the needs of businesses. And Right now, I'm really worried that if we don't see significant change and a more progressive vision brought to Salem, then we're going to see a Oregon version of a corporate bailout that we're seeing over and over getting pushed again on the federal level. Mm. And so as you think about becoming a legislator, getting down in Salem as a House District 42 representative, what issues would you tackle first and foremost? Well, I think first up is going to have to be a relief package for families suffering from COVID-19, especially on the economic side. Um, thousands of Oregonians have lost their jobs and subsequently their health care. Um, but also, none of the other issues are going away just because we have a current crisis. We still have a housing crisis. We still have a climate crisis looming. Um, we still have a state government overrun by corporate interests. Um, so I'm still also going to be fighting for tenants' rights issues, like real meaningful rent control and lifting the state preemption on rent control um, and housing issues along those lines, as well as an Oregon Green New Deal, because, you know, the way that the way that COVID-19 has been handled has shown us in this country that our current, our current institutions are not set up to handle a, a crisis, and the climate crisis is a much bigger one uh, than the COVID-19 crisis, and that's going to that's gonna be looming as soon as we get out of this one, and people are still already feeling the impacts of that crisis now. So we need big, bold action on climate. Um, And then also we really desperately need campaign finance reform in this state um, because we're one of only five states to allow unlimited corporate campaign contributions. And that, in my mind, is unacceptable. Um, We cannot have a state government that's bought and run by Nike, by fossil fuel industries, by the private healthcare industry. So sometimes change is easier uh, to create pushing from the outside, and you've been connected and involved with some really powerful grassroots movements like Portland, Portland Tenants United. What, how will you create change as a representative, sort of almost from the inside in Salem? Right, that's a really important thing for people-powered legislators to think about is 
and that's really a question of where does power come from? Mm. Um, and the traditional answer to that is that the power comes from above. A state legislator is someone who waits in line for a seat to come open, and they probably run unopposed or lightly opposed, and they get a whole slate of endorsements from established uh, politicians and incumbents all up and down the ballot. Um, and then when they get in office, they're beholden to their donors and they're beholden to um, the caucus. So they take their orders from Tina Kotek and the House Majority Leader and serve the needs of their big donors. Um, but our campaign's different, and that's going to be reflected in our office, is that I'm not accountable to any corporation. I'm not going to Salem to work for Tina Kotek or for Kate Brown. I'm going to Salem to work for the working class people of this state. And we're going to use the, the working class power that working class people have, have in this state. And we're going to leverage that to achieve change. And that means turning out people to testify on, on bills, turning out people to rallies and protests to put um, uh, to leverage our people power against legislators who may, uh, uh, you know, may not agree with our vision, who may not uh, prioritize the needs of their own constituents. And uh, we're going to take a grassroots organizing approach to getting things done down in Salem. Mm. What are some examples of advocacy that you've been, already been doing down in Salem? So last legislative session, we were fighting really hard um, on Senate Bill 608, which was the statewide rent stabilization bill. And that was a bill that I supported and I lobbied and support for, but it was also pretty weak. Um, so that bill did not lift the statewide preemption on rent control. So there's a reason why we don't have a rent freeze right now that we desperately need in Portland, and that's because the Portland city government can't legally institute a rent freeze because there's a statewide preemption. Um, so we were fighting really hard back in 2019 to get that lifted. Um, we were also fighting to lower that cap from the 7% plus CPI that it's at right now, which is 10.3% a year for this year, um, down to a, a lower cap that actually brings relief for working class families. And in that effort, we turned out a ton of people to testify. Uh, we, we turned out people to uh, rallies and to press conferences. Um, and we had a big impact on fighting back against the realtor and landlord lobby because the realtor and landlord lobby and the Airbnb lobby too, Airbnb has a bunch of lobbyists down there in Salem. We're fighting really, really hard um, against that bill just to, to kill it completely and also um, to make it more conservative. Um, so we were the, and by we, I mean the Portland DSA and Portland Tenants United, and then also Community Alliance of Tenants were the only voices in that room turning out working class people to make sure working class people's voices mm -hmm. were heard. And ultimately we got a pretty decent bill out of it. I wish it was perfect, but we'll go back and try to fix that mm -hmm. next session. And what did you learn from that process? What would you do the exact same way? What felt like it was the you know the right steps to take to move this forward? And what would you do differently? Uh, I think coalition building is really important in grassroots mm -hmm. organizing, um, and recognizing that different organizations bring different assets to a campaign like that. Um, for example, on that on that bill, the uh, the slate of organizations supporting it ranged from. Socialist and DSA to Community Alliance of Tenants, which is a more traditional uh, 501c3 nonprofit um, that does more traditional advocacy that gets their funding through grant writing and stuff like that. So they were able to tap into more establishment sources of power um, and do a lot more advocacy from the inside while we were able to turn out a lot of people um, and bring our people power to bear. And a lot of times those type of coalitions um, aren't super close because it's 
organizations like CAT like to keep their distance from organizations like us, but um, it's very mutually beneficial. Um, and I see there's a lot of value into bringing together at least loosely a coalition of organizations with different tactics and different accesses to levers of power. Mm. The reality is for some candidates, um, voters hear from them during a campaign and then the and then the elected officials go silent. What would it look like if you are the representative for District 42 for you to keep the community and the voters engaged throughout your term? Well, it might look like me bugging my constituents all the time. <laughs> I already get, um, uh, get constituents who are annoyed with how much we're doing outreach to them, but I really want to make sure that uh, every voice in our district is heard. So that's going to mean um, a lot of uh, town halls, a lot of mm-hmm. uh, community neighborhood meetings, um, sometimes going door to door just to talk about issues and turn people out to hopefully make their voices heard and hearings and with testimony. Um, and it's going to mean reaching out to voters throughout the, the year instead of just at election time. Mm. And we know that there are deep deep chasms in the social safety net in in our state. We know that uh, we have issues and real disproportionate um, treatment of individuals who identify as communities of color. Um, How will you balance your constituent voices, or is it even about balance? How do you center uh, your service around equity? Yeah, so it's not about balance, actually. It's about Mm -hmm. uplifting voices and giving access to power to communities that have been marginalized. So my job is to represent every constituent in my district, but I also recognize that the interest of every constituent in my district is not necessarily aligned. Um, I know that there are um, houseless people in my district that I'm representing. I know that there are maybe people in my district who maybe can't vote for me because they are undocumented, but I'm still fighting to represent them as well. Um, But there's also landlords in my district. There's also business owners in my district. There's also um, corporate CEOs in my district. Mm -hmm. And while I do technically represent them too, their voices are not going to have as much power in my office, and they're not going to have an equal seat at the table in my office as people who have been marginalized, because that's how we're going to dismantle the systems of oppression that keep marginalized people out of of access to power and keep marginalized people uh, away from seats at the table where these policy decisions are made that deeply impact uh, all of our lives here on the local level. The endorsement process this year is obviously very different because we're in a stay-at-home order. What has the endorsement process looked like for you? Are there endorsements that you're particularly proud of? Are there any ones you didn't get that you were really hoping for? Yeah, so I'm really proud of our broad slate of union endorsements. The union movement is incredibly important to me. It's it's the reason why I'm running is when I uh, I decided to run right after the incumbent voted to cut public employee pensions because I believe that Oregon's a labor state, that Oregon's a union state, and the unions are an incredibly important piece of our communities. And unions need to have a voice down in Salem that will advocate for working class people exclusively. Mm-hmm. So we're endorsed by the Oregon Education Association, Oregon Ask Me, American Federations of Teachers, Oregon, Portland Association of Teachers, Oregon School Employees Association, and the Communication Workers of America, Local 7901. Um, I'm incredibly proud of the union movement um, that we have here in Oregon, um, and I'm doubly proud to have them on our side in this campaign because that brings a lot of might 
the table, especially when we're up against such big odds, when we're up against an incumbent that's funded by the fossil fuel industry and by mm. the landlord and realtor lobby and by the private healthcare industry. Um, to have labor unions uh, on our mm -hmm. side is a huge honor. And as you obviously you shared that you saw the need in Salem for better representation in this district, how did you decide to run versus supporting someone else in a race? So right after that vote, um, mm -hmm. I, I I knew that we needed to run somebody, um, and I went around to um, a couple of different organizations that I've worked with, and different community groups, and talked to some some people in those groups and felt out how they felt and. Ultimately, I got a big resounding, yes, we need to run somebody. Um, so we went out and we, we asked around, and, and there was a couple candidates who wanted to run. And I, I just sat down and I met with those candidates, and we talked about it and decided that um, I was the strongest candidate that would have the best chance of going on to win. Um, but then ultimately, we put that to a vote of the Portland Democratic Socialists of America's general membership because, like I said, I'm, I'm running to represent the working class people in my district. Um, and that's who I wanted to center in my campaign from the beginning. So we put it to a vote of the members of Portland DSA, and uh, those members uh, voted 112 to one to endorse our campaign and launch our campaign, uh, and that's how we started. And I think that's really important to start from a place that's grounded in regular everyday working class Oregonians making their voices heard. And I wanted to make sure I had that support from the start. That's such an interesting, you know, when we talk to candidates, sometimes it's, you know, a personal, um, just personal motivation that someone has aspired to be an elected official. They feel like they're, you know, they're the, the only voice that can represent a particular district. So to hear that it was more, you know, testing uh, uh, other candidates and then go through a process with DSA is, is really interesting. What have you learned in this campaign about yourself? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So this, this campaign has been a long one. I've been campaigning since last July, mm -hmm. um, and I really feel like I'm a totally different person from where I started because I went into this campaign um, with big, bold ideas and a really um, ambitious goal to, to challenge this uh, incumbent. And what I really ran up against was a huge wall of the entire Democratic Party of Oregon establishment coming down to, to block our, our voices out, you know, my mm -hmm. voice as well as all the working class people in our campaign that's behind us. Um, so that's tons and tons of money. Amazon donated to our opponent almost immediately. Nike donated to our opponent. Lots of money flowing in. Uh, Governor Kate Brown even made her first donation to a down-ballot candidate, and it, it wasn't to a Democrat challenging a Republican in a purple district. It wasn't to a Democrat that took a tough vote on cap and trade who might lose their seat in a rural area. It was to our opponent, to an incumbent who is the fourth-ranking Democrat in the House and uh, led an effort to cut public employee pensions. And that really taught me that to the establishment, more centrist conservative wing of the Democratic Party, progressive working-class voices are much more threatening to them than even Republicans, um, because we've seen time and time again and that the leadership in the Democratic Party of Oregon is more than willing to sit down and negotiate and compromise and give concessions to the Republican Party of Oregon. Mm. Um, but when it comes to progressive people and working class people, because I'm a disabled veteran, I don't have a lot of money, I, I'm not coming through some candidate pipeline, I, I didn't get invited to um, the women's uh, candidate school, the Oregon Women's Candidate School or Emerge Oregon or any of those like centrist candidate pipeline programs. 
Mm. Um, and it really taught me that uh, we're going to have a really tough fight to get any kind of working class power, not just here, but of course everywhere in this, this country. Um, and, but it's really important that we actually have that fight and that we go into it um, and that we, we fight and show working class people that um, this, you know, there, there is hope this, that this election cycle, especially with Bernie dropping out, isn't over, that, that we can fight for a bold progressive vision. And when we fight together, we can win because I, I really think this is going to be an incredibly close race. And I think right now um, we definitely have a very good shot at winning, if not us being the front runner, front runner at this point with all of our endorsements. And that's incredibly important um, to, to really show that working class people still have power in this country. Sometimes running a campaign, you've got long days. It's really tough work. What brings you hope and energy to keep at it and keep going? just talking to people in our community. Um, it fills me with so much hope all the time, uh, talking to my neighbors, especially during this crisis. There's so much resiliency and community out there. There's so many people coming together to um, you know, help each other out. Uh, I've talked to people who go grocery shopping for their neighbor uh, because they're immunocompromised. I've talked to people uh, who are uh, helping to support healthcare workers um, who are, are, are struggling in the, this crisis with being overworked and underpaid and underprotected. Um, I've seen people uh, in our community get together for food drives and, and get together to distribute PPE to houseless people. Um, and, and that's what really reminds me that there's, um, there's lots of good people in our community. And there's lots of people who, faced with adversity, are coming together to overcome it as a community together. Mm. Paige, how can our listeners support your work and your candidacy? If you'd like to learn more about our campaign, you can go to page2020.com. That's P-A-I-G-E, 2020.com. And if you live in Southeast Portland, you can cast your ballot for us, for Paige Kreisman, by May 19th, vote by mail. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Paige. Thanks so much for having me. Again, that's Paige Kreisman candidate for House District 42. You can find out more at page2020.com. That's P-A-I-G-E 2020.com.